Hello everyone, uh, my name is George Orfanides and today with Sophie Bensavenga, we're going to be talking about creativity and drug use and creativity in music education. So I'll just start um, with my first question for you, Sophie. Um, your topic was about drugs and creativity and can you explain uh, exactly what you researched? Yeah, for sure. So during my research, I kind of went down the rabbit hole about individuals specifically famous who use drugs during the creative process, which some things I found were that the National Institute of on Drug Abuse, the NIDA, emphasizes that there are two main reasons why creative individuals use and abuse drugs. And the first one is to enhance imagination and the other is or awareness and also to self-medicate. Um, and it has long been said that art stems from pain and hardship and substance abuse is an extremely common way of coping with this emotional distress and mental health issues. So with that, I also saw a quote that said that in our society, drugs and alcohol have become extremely normalized, if not romanticized, which then leads to the fact that there's one in three of all individuals who are diagnosed with a mental illness also struggle with varying degrees of substance abuse or substance dependency. And lots of popular artists and creators struggle with mental health issues, which they are often medicated for, increasing their chance, chances of becoming an addict. And a lot of these famous individuals are infatuated with the idea that their substance of choice will make them successful, pr promote unique creativity, and will solve their mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so you also talked about how individuals who use drugs in order to bring out their inner creativity. Can you talk about maybe some specific examples of those individuals? Yeah, for sure. So there were quite a few famous individuals that I further researched regarding their drug usage during the creative process. However, two I really enjoyed further diving into were Amy Winehouse and Steve Jobs. So starting with Amy Winehouse, when she met her boyfriend, Blake, her manager noted that there was an immediate change in her behavior. And at the time, Amy was not a stranger to alcohol or weed, but she never did any hard drugs. It wasn't until she started dating Blake that she started doing hard drugs and specifically he introduced her to heroin. So then Amy's manager saw the decline in her behavior and tried to convince her to go to rehab, which she swore she did not need. However, this conversation led to her hit song, Rehab, which brought her great success and power knowing that the song was a hit because of something she was doing. Uh, years later, she did, in fact, try to go to rehab and become clean, but continually re relapsed and then released her song, Back in Black, in which, at the time, she was heavily involved with drugs and alcohol. Amy's health and behavior started to rapidly decline, but she would not stop this lifestyle because she was only becoming more and more successful, which was proven by all her the awards that she had won. However, her fans also started to despise her performance qualities because she was under the influence a lot of the times, and that led to Amy eventually going back to rehab, which she was later found dead because of accidental alcohol poisoning which her blood alcohol level was 0.416. And just for reference, a BAC of 0 0.08 is considered legally intoxicated. And then Steve Jobs' story, I found a little bit more lighthearted. Um, so Steve Jobs had admitted to taking LSD about 10 to 15 times within a two-year time period, which he says really helped him view the world from a different perspective. And he also said that his LSD visions helped him invert his his infamous technology invent his infamous technology 
He actually said that taking LSD was one of the most important things that he has ever done in his life since he attributed it to unlocking his creative mind. And during the 70s, Steve Jobs would smoke marijuana quite often as he said it would relax him and allow his mind to be less structured and more creative. Which, during his creative process for Apple, Steve Jobs apparently didn't look for the perfect cookie-cutter applicants, but instead those who had similar backgrounds with drugs since he attributed taking drugs to his creative mind. Yeah, I think it's really interesting you brought up Amy Winehouse because that kind of um, relates to my topic of music and I guess kind of leads to another question that I have for you if, or if you have any thoughts about it. If you think that the music industry um, kind of promotes drug use and that people um, in Amy Winehouse's life, if maybe if she wasn't in the music industry, in the music business, surrounded by people who are also doing drugs and are were bad influences on her, if like she would have had a different outcome, I guess, in her life. I think for sure that the music industry has a really big impact on these individuals. I mean your life completely changes overnight for a lot of them and that can take a big toll on your mental health so i mean it doesn't help that a lot of artists sing like they sing about oh like drugs alcohol money like you'll get everything you want in life with those things but Mm -hmm. a lot of their music just suppresses the darker sides of alcoholism and drug addiction and they like i've said previously that it's romanticized now and it's seen as something that you should be doing. And I think that if these individuals weren't in that limelight, like Amy Winehouse and under all the pressures she was uh, like in and, you know, people were constantly watching her go in and out of rehabilitation centers, like that puts a lot of pressure on you to become clean. And that ultimately like leads to a lot of addicts relapping too, so. Yeah, I think it's kind of, almost like a culture with it especially like with going to concerts a lot of people go to concerts high and the the performers also will talk about how intoxicated they are or how high they are like to have a good time it's very I think just ingrained in the culture of performing and touring and it's very unfortunate because of so many um performers and stars and like music stars that go down a path that leads to drugs and rehab and unfortunately overdoses as well um so i another question that i had is i recall you bringing up something called um, a psychedelic retreat uh would you be able to explain what that is to our listeners yeah so rising m popularity are these places tokened as psychedelic retreats these are controlled isolated settings where individuals go to take substances like magic mushrooms in order to go on a psychedelic trip These trips are eye-opening experiences for some individuals as they are able to view the world and their thoughts without any outside pressures. However, other individuals leave these retreats and report their needs to feel that trip again, which sometimes leads to unsolicited psychotic behaviors or tendencies, and in extreme scenarios, drug cravings and dependencies. So they have their good and their bad. I think they're really interesting and I think that they're probably going to become more popular in the future because it's a controlled way to take drugs which sounds bad but I guess it's yeah. better than off the streets <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah I've never heard of that before so that's an int- that's a that's something to think about with this topic okay and and so now I'm going to ask you some questions about your topic 
So I know your topic talked about creativity in music in regards to originality and how great artists steal. Do you believe that there is a problem with emphasizing originality and creativity in music schools? Yeah, um, I definitely went, um, when I was talking about my topic, I definitely, I, I like the quote, great artists steal, because I think it kind of releases the pressure off of people when you're creating something, because it can feel very like, well, I need to make something that is completely original, is completely new and different, so I'll be able to show my voice, but I think remembering that, you know, all great artists steal elements of that's what makes you an artist is you are influenced from your favorite artist, whether that's musical or visual or film or anything. And that kind of shapes who you are as an artist so that you have your own original voice. And I think in music schools, um, specifically conservatory style, um, JMU is kind of uh, branded as the music school is kind of branded as conservatory style. Um, It's really hard because you kind of feel when you're in the environment, you can feel a lot of the times that you are just, you are just a person in this school and you don't have your original voice, that everybody is better than you, that you can't. And also a lot of the time, um, there's very little opportunities to actually showcase um, your creativity. Um, I've, I'm very interested in composition, but I'm not a composition major. And so I can't get into any of the composing classes and they, and I've reached out and they're saying, well, it's a lack of resources. And I just think that's really unfortunate because composing is such a creative outlet. And just because you're not, um, just because you're not majoring or concentrating in something, I don't think you should be able to not, um, not have the opportunity to be creative in that way. Because, um, there's a lot of classes actually that are offered like theater classes that are offered for everybody to take. You can take costuming, you can take like set design classes and screenwriting classes, any that they're open to any to everybody as like an elective. And I would totally take all of those if I had a uh, space, but I think a lot of the time um, you get kind of stuck in this rut of what you're doing with your lessons and practicing and you don't get, um, you don't get those little moments of inspiration or creativity that you would when you're kind of like in high school or when music is more of a hobby rather than your entire career and the thing that you're studying. Yeah, I really agree with that. It is really hard to just express your like interest and your passions, especially in the undergraduate level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then another question I have is, do you think that the pressure for artists to make like another great hit after they've had like a really great success with a song or an album like a driving force as to why they quote unquote steal from other artists because they're looking at their not so much their competitors but their peers and their mentors and their successes for inspo and their songs that really hit it off do you think that that creates a lot of pressure in the music industry and like that's where the loss of originality comes from or is there another source that you see yeah Definitely. I, I agree that um, there's this big pressure when something, you know, is really successful. And so then what a lot of people, uh, what I think a lot of artists do with that is they kind of, is they try to replicate that. I'm going to do this thing that I just did, but kind of change it a little bit, see what's popular right now, what styles are popular, um, what themes are popular in music right now, and kind of take that and then, you know, kind of make it your own and then... Um, 
and do that. And then usually that will be successful because also, you know, also a lot of people, they expect things from uh, different artists. And I think a great example of an artist who, um, who kind of really branched out and did something much different than what they were successful at previously and just um, like soared in that is uh, Bruno Mars. Um, he was, he's obviously a very popular musician, you know, with Grenade and all of those songs from like, you know, early 2010s and uh, mid-2000s. But then he came out with um, Leave the Door Open with um, Anderson Pack, and that's a group called Silk Sonic. And it's like totally different from like the style that he was originally doing, but it he, I mean, they won a Grammy for it, either the song or I'm pretty sure for the entire album. It's amazing. And it's definitely more like R&B, uh, soul and music, a little bit of rap too. And I think that like, I think uh, artists should definitely um, look into expanding their musical voice and expanding different styles and genres. And I, cause I think you can tell when artists are doing something that they are truly passionate about rather than doing something that they know will get them a hit or get them get them the same kind of success that they were already having. I totally agree with that. It's funny because as you're saying that, I'm thinking about something else. And it's, do you think that the pressure to be a great artist with many successes and top hits and, you know, all those great things suppresses the artist's innate like creativity and originality? I think it does because you're a because you're not just the artist, you're you're part of like a whole team, you know? Like you're not, you're the artist, but also you have to think about your manager and your agent and your producers and your writers and kind of uphold you can't just like go out on a whim and do whatever you want because what if it fails then it fails all of those other people that are part of that team so it's a lot of i think it that does um suppress creativity because of kind of that fear of failure that fear of you know like that's what makes them money so it does make sense in a way it's it's a business you know you have to keep the business afloat you have to make sure that the business is always making money and therefore, it can lead to the suppression of creativity in order to prevent failure. Yeah, I totally agree with that 100%. And that's actually all the questions I have for you. Um, I think this was a really great conversation. And I think there are a lot of overlaps uh, with drug use and music that not a lot of people talk about. So I'm glad that we got to kind of discuss that today. Me too. I hope you guys enjoyed listening. Thanks. Bye. <laughs>